0: Namaste. The subject is destiny of the body and the context is the yoga of transformation. So, uh, it implies that there are several destinies that operate upon us. And what we call as destiny is the sum result of that. For example, Mother gives this example and, uh, you know, supposing somebody in the vital has certain tendencies or habits which are not good. Let's say a person… Uh, you know smokes or you know and at the same time now this will lead to one kind of destiny for instance the person will fall ill he will have in the normal course of things his uh, you know lungs will get shattered and heart will get clogged but if he has a very strong will a, a great joy to live now it begins to also operate so there are several forces which impact upon a body and this idea of a one cause one effect is that single singular cause and effect is going away even in in medical world uh, for example there there is a talk about genes you may have a poor heredity and if the heredity is poor it is a, has a very strong impact upon the body i mean there are instances where even recently i think um, yesterday some actor had died so people were saying that he was such a nice person he was he he never hurt anyone. He he was a very soft-spoken person. He never drank. He never smoked. And you know, he died at the age of I think forties uh, or something like that. So, but then you have things like the genes. You may do all the right things, but you have the genes. Also, there is something else which is called as the choice of the soul. Shri speaks about that in one of the letters with that Dilip Kumar Roy asked when Uma Bose, one of the buddying singers. Was whose voice was regarded as a light, nightingale. And uh, she, was, uh, she died at 21 or 22, budding singer. And Dilip Kumar Roy asked Sri Aurobindo, and then he said that she had already reached a peak of a development in this life, extreme sattvic development. And now if she would have continued in this body, it would have led to a kind of frustration of her own spiritual impulsion. So the body she left the body and uh, would go on. So there are many aspects... This idea that because of this this happens, we have to understand that the body is supported. Uh, it's a little frame supported by many forces which are working all around to weave it. And it's not just one body, though it looks one body. It is interconnected with the whole universe. The whole universe dwells: um, atoms, molecules, quantum. Ninety-nine percent of we don't even know what are the forces. So, seen that way, to oversimplify things, that's because of this. This happens is naivety. Having said that, yes, we must do what yet we can do to an extent to tilt the balance in favor of health. That we can do and we should do. For instance, it's known that if we have a general inner state of peace, equanimity, a state of inner joy, a will to live, all these are important things and they are well within our means. To lead a healthy lifestyle, sleep in time, uh, by that I mean, you know, around 10, 30, 11, wake up by 6. a very good way to keep the balance, eat in moderation, regulation, the golden mean. Uh, So we can do what we can do and we should do. And yet we must know that uh, health and harmony is not just a matter of this. There are many forces that impact. So the destiny of body we can consider at three levels. One is the immediate destiny. So all this come under the immediate destiny. A particular body, how long will it live, whether it will be healthy or not, Uh, whether uh, you can come out of unhealthy states, whether you can establish harmony or not. And there are plenty of things that can be done even with regard to the immediate destiny. For example, simple things like prolonging life. Now, um, one single factor which helps to prolong life is simply the will to live. And will to live comes when you are constantly progressing. So, this is one single factor meaning thereby if you always believe there is something more you want to do something better or something higher that itself plants in the body the will to live it is something very strange interesting so uh, the immediate destiny of the body is a play of complex forces both psychological and physical in physical there is the seed of heredity there are habits uh, you know there are conditionings which have impacted the body from childhood there are of course occult forces which are acting from the environment uh, which, you, you know, which very often we don't uh, take into consideration, the people around, the uh, other kinds of energies around, and there are other psychological forces. So, physical, yes, to an extent we can do, but we cannot change our heredity. We can change the um, hereditary determinism, but we can't change our heredity in the sense we can't go back and say we want another set of parents. Uh, we, For whatever reason, good or bad, we have now that <laughs> it's our endowment. We can't uh, always be conscious of all the forces which are impacting upon us. But what we have in hand is our psychological state and certain lifestyles. These are two things which are within us. And also we can open the doors to grace which is the incalculable X factor which can completely change the balance of destiny one way or the other. So this is the immediate destiny of the body. Wherein, in a particular lifetime, the human body, uh, how we can, you know, Uh, help it to maintain a state of health to maintain a state of harmony and balance but this is not what uh, uh, really is about the yoga of transformation this is the minimum requirement because if we don't have a healthy body if I neglect my body how am I going to even do sadhana because sadhana is done in the body and so the body should be strong and healthy supple it should be open and receptive to the divine forces to that extent good health is important a state of harmony is important but there is another destiny of the body which is uh, waiting, which will unfold over a period of time. So that's where we come to the problem of evolution. Through evolution, we see the form begins to manifest new and new capacities, new and new possibilities. And human body also, like any other body, any other form, has within it on one side the inconscient, because of which we see errors, proneness to death, etc., but hidden in the inconscient is the superconscient. So because of which we see that despite the effort of the inconscient, there is this constant pressure from within for, for, of something which uh, tends to take the body and our mind and life along uh, unpredictable routes. And one of them will be that over a period of maybe 200 years, 300 years, the human body will start manifesting capacities which right now are hidden. So that's the intermediate destiny of the body, wherein we may see number of intermediate species. To take one example, the snake would have never imagined it can fly. But if a snake has to become a bird, it has to fly somehow. So, see how nature operated. Nature gave it shift speed. These There are lazy kinds of snakes. But in this evolution of snakes, one of the things you will see is this. You watch a cobra, the way it you know moves with such swiftness. And some of the other snakes. Uh, and then one day, this swiftness, it moves on, crawls, and yet moves swiftly on maybe a thousand miniature legs, purely by the action of the muscles. And then one day, nature... Brings out of it the capacity to fly. So, you have a strange creature called Archaeopteryx. It's neither a snake nor a bird, or it's a flying snake with kind of many wings beginning to develop. So, something similar is going to happen that there will be intermediate species, and uh, because of the pressure of higher and higher states of consciousness. So, this evolution takes place because of two things one is the pressure of the superconscient hidden within the inconscient. So, it is pressing to emerge. So, when it is pressing, because of the pressure from below, it is putting pressure on the form. Because it is entrapped in the form. To evolve. It's like, you know, when a poet expresses, uh, you know, writes. Or an author or a writer writes or a painter paints. So, what is that state before that? It's called the estrus of creation. There is a sense of what is called as a kind of heat. There is things, you know, which are wanting to express themselves. And one day you take a pen and start writing. So why? Because there is a pressure from within to express. So in every human being, there is a pressure from within to express itself. This is something which is universal. But of course, certain bodies experience this pressure more than others. Bodies which have reached a certain kind of development which is more sattvic, whatever maximum human beings are capable of, now this consciousness tries to go beyond and this is from within. So when we lead a sattvic life, a harmonious life, now this consciousness wants to take a leap. So this is a pressure from below. But this is not enough. The next thing which determines is because of this pressure, it draws higher and higher states of consciousness. So because of this pressure, human beings begin to aspire for something greater, higher, nobler, vaster. That's when, in this mud house, aspiration is born. It lights up a flame. The Vedic rishis describe the igni- ignition of the flame by the you know pressure from above and from below. That the woods are to be kept like this and ignited. So this is the pressure from below, and this is a pressure from above because the time is coming. So because of that, there is ignition, and because of that ignition, flame is born. Flame of aspiration. Now this flame of aspiration becomes the bridge between what we are here and what is trying to manifest. So now we have three things. One is that there is the pressure of the superconscient to emerge. This is independent of the human being. It is moulding us, taking us to a point where the human body, the human being himself is very sattvic and incidentally it has an impact on the body. You will see human beings are very crude to an extent and then... More Rajasic human beings, and then more sattvic human beings. These are body types, and then there is this greater pressure from inside to go beyond. And because of this pressure from within, there is also the attraction from above. And when this happens in some human beings, who so have reached a uh, what can be called as an incalculable point in their evolutionary history, <laughs> because one doesn't know when it will happen, there is a flame of aspiration which is lit. Now this flame becomes the bridge. Why this flame is necessary? Because if there is a direct action of the higher states of consciousness on the human mind and the vital and the body, it may not be able to take that impact. This pressure from within and this pressure from above may completely dislocate it. That's what Sri describes in The Life Divine, that if there is a spiritualization before the psychicization, it may lead to a kind of disturbance and want of balance. Because these Parts have to be prepared. So this flame of aspiration in the psychic, it prepares them that look here, something is coming. So in aspiration implies that I, it knows that it is going to happen. <laughs> That's why faith is implicit in aspiration. That's why we aspire. It is implicit. And because it has that faith that this is going to come, it starts putting pressure on the entire mind, vital body complex. To prepare it to receive the higher states of consciousness, these higher states of consciousness will create intermediate species, as the mother has said. So we'll see, for example, uh, child prodigies already started. Mother made a comment upon this. So when you observe some of these dance programs, uh, singing programs, mind you, these some of them are like there are no retakes there. Whatever practice you may have done, they have done practice. But on the spot, there is no retakes. Unlike the typical dance in cinema and, uh, you know, the, the singing part where even in expert singers, rarely has even an expert singer uh, had a single uh, finish. Most of them had some retakes because there were some errors here and there. But they are amazing. They are child prodigies. You will see the phenomena of genius. So what is genius? Genius is an effort of nature to go beyond the boundaries. You will see mathematical geniuses, literary geniuses, creative geniuses. It's happening now. New forms of art already. People don't realize it. There are people who just pick up sand and the way they throw it. And, you know, it makes patterns with colors. I have seen it and, you know, it's so amazing how they do it. These are the new possibilities which are beginning to emerge from within the body. Mother spoke of this as child prodigies. On the other hand, this is leading to a kind of dislocation, leading to the abnormal. So, it is leading to new ways of life which we may not understand today. And these new ways of life, change of patterns, even of the sleep-wake cycle, all kinds of things are happening. And these are helping the human being and the human body to slowly evolve out of the frame. It is taking those powers which are asleep. Tomorrow we may see, even in Olympics, if you see, the actual um, mark, the actual, uh, uh, what shall I say, the the point, the high peak, that is being overpassed. The records which were Olympic records, say in 1972, which often… Even people who are, uh, you know, children or youngsters, they are able to surpass. And the actual Olympic record is going much, uh, much higher. So this is because the human body, even even, uh, ability to heal spontaneously is going to emerge. Uh, We may not notice it. Uh, Why? Because on the one side, the body is developing this ability to heal. But there is this all kinds of things from WhatsApp to God knows... uh, What app, which is constantly reminding us you are a puppet in the hands of this will happen, that cholesterol, that will happen. Slowly even this myth is getting busted. But there is this constant bombardment, collective suggestion completely, which is thwarting the evolutionary process. And we must understand that we must not give in to this kind of plan. Okay, immediately one may not succeed. Understandable. But we must know that there are possibilities within the body of self-healing. If I believe in it, one day humanity will touch it. I may touch it or not touch it, it's one thing. But if we believe that there is a possibility of self-healing, human beings will discover the way of self-healing. Why? Because ultimately all healing uses one line of nature's processes. If there was no nature operating within the body which leads to healing, there will be no healing. Any amount of medicine, you give allopathy, it helps because The body is healing along a certain line. For instance, the white blood cells are fighting. You add to that body itself is secreting things which are fighting an illness. So allopathy will help you in that. Homeopathy will create, you know, there are energy imbalances which the body is trying to set right. Ayurveda, it will augment your own fighting capacities. So there are several lines of healing which are all uh, half-arrested. Now that the experiments of the doctors <laughs> is more or less over, we will discover ways and means of self healing. In the last hundred years, hundred years back, the third comment, Shobindu spoke about it, you know, when he spoke about. Um, the Dr. Ku and his, even mother has spoken about it. But we have to understand that there is a process and it's, it's possible. So in the intermediary range, we will see many of these new capacities developing inside the human body. For instance, the possibility of new senses. the Even the ability to um, transmute one sense into another. Uh, can we touch and see? Can we use hearing for seeing and having an image. Now, this is just a habit and conditioning. It's possible. Actually, if we see scientifically also, if the human brain develops plasticity, it's possible because it's just a question of sense organization. The possibility of self-regeneration. Salamanders do it. So, why can't human beings do it? Technically, it's possible. Uh, the difference between a salamander and human being is, we are extremely complex with very specialized organs. So we have to develop a certain amount of plasticity within the body. Uh, Trees live very long. They keep on changing and live very long. Some trees, 5000 years. So, uh, smaller unicellular organisms, they don't die. So nothing is like a permanent thing. This idea that everything that is born is to die. It's challenged even by the smallest organisms. They don't die. They just reproduce. No death in that level. They just reproduce and that's how you want to call it death. Well, they just split into two or they join together and create two. That's how it, it takes place. So some of these capacities will develop and maybe one of the reasons why we see suddenly cancers coming up it's possibly because of that. A cancer cell is very difficult to die. And again people have discovered why aging takes place. So again, uh, it's because of certain errors which get transmitted. There is even a part of the chromosome, the telomerase. So all these areas people are beginning to discover. And the moment we understand that gene, there are ways by which our messages can go to the genes... So, what prevents us even from eventually overriding the curse of heredity? There has to be mechanism because if there are messages in the brain, thought, it is known that thought acts on the receptors. The receptors have been identified, cellular receptors. And it is known that there are actual things which take message from the surface of the cell to the genetic code uh, inside the nucleus. So, there is every likelihood that we will discover eventually ways and means of self-healing. This only with regard to the body and ways and means of pro- prolonging life. See, this idea of Ikshamrityo, the uh, Kaya Kalpa, Vidya. So, it's just a question of time. I am saying 300 years, maybe a long period, maybe much earlier. A man will learn how to prolong life. Uh, heal by inner means But we have to move in that direction Even if we don't Nature will bring it out That's what shivinda says Unknown powers emerge from nature's sleep The ability of the brain to You know there are people Idiot savants They are otherwise not so good But they can calculate like anything Wizards It is impossible If you really look at it purely And we watch it with curiosity And say wow fantastic But this fantastic is a possibility Inbuilt within nature That the moment you mention two numbers, the person calculates. How does the person calculate? What really is happening? So all these things are, nature is experimenting, it has experimented for long and we will see that these powers will become eventually more and more normal and natural. Just like the yogi, the saints here was, experiments of nature along the lines of the soul's evolution. What is going to come will be much higher. They were experiments. And similarly, in nature we see capacities, which are unusual. Musical capacities, how we composed music. So this is not about one person or two persons. Nature one day will generalize. So life will change. So this is the intermediate destiny of the body. Then comes the long-term destiny of the body. And the long-term destiny or the ultimate destiny of the body is the divinization of the human body. So these are the three levels at which we have to see. Divinization of the human body will happen when Shubhendu gives the whole process. His last writings, Supramental Manifestation. I think it is collected works of Shubhendu, Volume Thirteen. You will see a set of writings, the Supramental Manifestation, and there he speaks of the divine body. And then he says that people do exp. There are other bodies. For instance, there is the Chinmay body. Vaishnavites speak of it in my body. These bodies can also begin to impact the physical body. For instance, Sri Ramakrishna paramans one could see that body, that light emerging from the body at times. I have seen it with Champakalaji. Of course, Sri and the mother. Sri and the mother, it had gone to this extent that when Shobindra left his body, so uh, after five days, of course we know about the light. Everybody knows about it. 111 hours. But few people know that after five days when they were taking the body so obviously some fluid escapes invariably the fluid escaping from a body which is dead is of a very foul odor that's why it's so difficult after a point this fluid was which oozed out people who touched was of a lotus sweet fragrance it documented and one of them who was in Desiree who uh, of course left his body sometime I had asked him He had simply touched the body while lifting into the in turning into the vault and he said that till date he had that because he had touched that fragrance of the lotus. So what was happening? Something was happening. It's okay, miracle and wonderful, but there is a process Sriorbindo was doing, activating within his body. But then he wanted everybody to share this, so he made that supreme strategic sacrifice, which we talk about later. So Shivinndo, who had done, taken this process very far, when he writes about the divine body, it is like a scientist who is writing about it. And he had taken it so far as to even say that minimum waste, right now, body creates certain waste, which is necessary, and how even that can be minimized by the pressure of the higher consciousness, higher states, all that is a whole study. But two three things which which is important because it's a whole you know topic for a workshop, <laughs> but just two three things which are relevant: first will be consciousness has to evolve that is basic there cannot be suddenly a divine body and cellular yoga. Without the mind and vital, the psychic transformation and the mind and vital opening to higher ranges of consciousness, the mind becoming a mind of light, the vital self existent luminous force, and the heart becoming a vessel and channel of divine love. Without these things, to imagine that suddenly my body is getting transformed is to live in a. You know. <laughs> yeah. So these are steps. This is the first thing necessary. So all that psychic transformations, spiritual transformations, are an indispensable step for which one of the things necessary is for the consciousness to be liberated from the body, become independent of, of it and act upon it. And in this action, Shubhita very interestingly mentions something very beautiful. He says, see, right now we talk about you know body, body, but how many of us are really conscious of the body? While walking, speaking, even while sitting, doing nothing. We are not, we are not conscious of the body, we are conscious in our thoughts. Our feelings. So largely because the body consciousness is so much asleep and it has certain automatic functions which are not even under our co- conscious control. So first thing is we have to become awake in the asleep body consciousness so, the, so that the body knows that an illness is coming and knows how to repel it. This one step. So all physical culture is to awaken the asleep body consciousness and this is one end at which one has to work. So, this is one part. Second is to bring even the automatic um, movements under conscious control. So, what it means is, ordinarily, heartbeat is not under our control. It's an autonomic function. No? You can't order your art, stop for a while. <laughs> Imagine, no? you can't do that. But, can we even bring that under control? Actually, it is possible. When the heart is beating suddenly fast, take deep breaths and tell the heart no need to panic, just stay quiet, 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 peace, calm down. The heart can be brought. This is this knowledge now, people are beginning to accept it is possible. How does it happen? Because ordinarily it is autonomic, it is not peripheral in our system, but autonomic. These are completely not in our control how these things can be brought under the control of a conscious will. So this is the second aspect which is necessary. Awakening of the latent body consciousness through physical culture and bringing the body under a mental control. So this is the second part which is necessary. Third part is two main difficulties which are going to come is through food and sex. They are two movements deeply rooted in the physical. Through food, the body is maintained normally. That's how it gets its main energy. And food means inconscient. Why? Because whether you take animal food or plant food, so it draws everything from the soil. (laughs) So it is... uh, Solar food is different. Solar food is coming straight from above. But when you take food from the earth, it draws inconscient. Even if you take little. So Srivindaya had solved the problem. Of course, fasting... Then he had, um, you know, uh, he used to take very little. So this is one part, wherein with little food you can draw the energy needed. This one part. And the second is the problem of sexuality. The problem of sexuality, it just keeps throwing out the energy outward. Instead of conserving it and helping it, because it's the base energy, it's the root energy. That root energy is needed. So ordinarily, In creation, nature gives this basic fundamental energy in animals simply to reproduce. So all animals, except man, die after their reproductive utility is over. They don't experience menopause. They just die. When they cannot reproduce, they just die. But they reproduce like anything. And the more they reproduce, the shorter the life span. So people are often worried, oh... So and so species, species, no I should not say species, so and so period of human being, they are uh, reproducing so many children, having so many children. Don't worry, nature has plans. You will become weaker and weaker. It, you can take it in writing. This is not to say we should not be vigilant and conscious. If you keep reproducing like cats and dogs, you will lose your humanness and become like cats and dogs. So this this is why nature has its own way of doing it. Whereas you will see on the other hand, there is a whole section of human beings where the actual ability to reproduce is coming down. Even importance is taking over. So nature has its own ways and means of working which are beyond our comprehension. So the sexual impulse, one problem is it throws away. All this has to be seen not morally but it's not about... You know, having sex with wife and husband, etc., etc. All that is okay from moral point of view. It has its importance because when you have with one person, the interchange that has taken place is with one person. So it helps. And after a while, it's much easier because the two people have gone together up to a point. So they have lost that sexual interest in each other. So they can now, that energy, they can easily turn. They can practice sanyama. Whereas uh, the advocacy of free sex is very dangerous because one, you are keep on having interchanges, keep on taking imprints of all kinds, and the other part is that, you know, because of the novelty which is maintained, so the vital refuses to give up. So there are these aspects. It has nothing to do with morality, it has to do with pure technically one can understand. Um, so, but Life today is organized in a very different way. Life earlier was organized in a way so as to encourage this sayama. Now it is not organized like that because the inconscient is not going to give way so easily. So you see pornography is the biggest industry today. So all this is to uh, draw and throw away this energy. But if we learn to conserve it, definitely it's a great help. And complete mastery is... Indispensable. But Shurubindu says something very interesting here. He says sexuality derives from a higher truth of Ishwara and Ishwari. It is the complete distortion of that. So while the gross and crude aspects of sexuality will have to vanish, uh, you can't uh, carry the, that and physical transformation together. For physical transformation, it's indispensable a complete mastery over the sexual impulse. But the union of the feminine and the masculine in some way, that will be there and taken into the new creation. It's sex, uh, the soul has no sex, that's true, it has no gender. But it expresses itself along masculine and feminine, that's all. It need not use, it need not be through a differentiation of bodies. It need not even be LGBTQ, whatever, cute uh, LGBTQ, Okay, it need not be through that. Though These are experiments of nature. But simply that there is a masculine line through which the same psychic which has no gender manifest or through feminine sides. And the coming together of these two, something of that will remain. But that will be all the crude elements and the gross elements, particularly related to childbirth and offspring, that will go away. So this is the second problem. But eventually that will happen. Already this is happening. Even for food, mankind will develop those tablet kind of thing where, you know, like space food. Ever imagine how they stay for one year without bhindi ka sabji and alo Gobi? Matan mutton kurma. This is how they do it. They have these tablets, food, compressed food, which gives everything they need. Also because you have to minimize the problem of waste. So, space program has done this one good. Now, as humanity goes through this process, another thing which will happen in is the opening of the centers. So, right now, this body is a formation. Concrete, gross is our way. But it because the energy which is entering into us from the universe. So, nature is using this energy to create a dense formation which we call as a body. But… The body can be looked in two ways. One is as particles be building a body, atoms extending into other, or as waveforms. Both are equally valid. Though the waveform is truly the more valid thing. Because particle is when you observe. When you don't observe, it is a waveform. So it's very interesting. So we can go right into quantum physics to understand the problem of the body and its transmutation. So, more and more the body will start building itself along this rhythmic uh, energy patterns. And it will make it more and more plastic because waveforms will make, make, uh, give the body a kind of plasticity which is beyond our comprehension. Sounds fantastic? Well, people when they used to see the mother, they would see her sometimes tall, sometimes short. Somebody has seen Sri entire body as if vanishing… Becoming transparent. So all these possibilities are there. Of course, Shabindu's body always carried this golden hue. So all these possibilities, the moment we understand that this body as we understand is not the only one. There is the subtle body, the true body and all this will begin to happen as the centers of consciousness open. So as these centers open, brain being flooded by the universal currents of uh, thought and thought itself climbing to higher and higher levels so through this center higher states of consciousness and energies will impact the brain and modify it it will modify the brain structures the moment brain structures are modified new possibilities come in the brain because brain is the master organ similarly with the heart the heart organ will be transmuted Right now, the moment it feels the pressure of the greater love, the, you know, vasta consciousness from the heart center, it begins to act chaotically. Right now, it cannot even need a little extra love and it begins to beat fast. So, eventually the heart will undergo, the organs will undergo transmutation. So, they will either become compact energy centers, they will no more be this gross physical body at all so they will undergo a kind of transmutation they will they will be organs because you know that uh, it won't be a nebulous there is a form so there would be many organs will become atrophied because they won't be necessary reproduction digestion probably all this will become atrophied but there will be some organs say for instance liver and kidney they absorb the toxic things and waste it uh, throw it away so here these organs will take in things which are After all, you live in the world. So many of these toxic substances and transmit it. So these organs will undergo a change. Heart, it will be the dynamo to give pulsations from the creative consciousness, the divine, well, (laughs) the creator, and transmit it into the world. The brain to receive that light and transmit it without any obscurity. So something which will be akin to providing it a certain solidity. So all these things Sri and the mother have already worked out in great detail. If you read through their writings, a fascinating story, the most fascinating story ever told. And as these organs undergo transmutation, then something new may happen. Either it can start impacting this gross form and begin to emerge. That's how light begins to emerge from a gross body. Like we see in Sri body. So either it will transmute it or else, it can just take itself out and enter into a body which is just prepared, switching to a new body. All these problems of transformation, Mother and Shubindo have not only foreseen; they have worked it out. Why didn't they fulfil it in themselves? I do trust Mother fulfilled it, and so did Shubindo. But they did keep something for us. Because it's a collective process. Evolution is not one person. So they kept some tie with us to keep a tie. And it is through that tie, that little imperfection necessary. All this is there in the agenda, but of course, uh, right now we can't discuss all that. That little tie through which we remain connected with them. And they are connected with us. So we have to reach a point wherein this new creation with a new body, supramental body, divine body will precipitate upon earth. How long it will take? Five hundred years, thousand years? We don't know. But it will happen, because it is inevitable in the very logic of things. So we have this immediate destiny, the intermediate destiny, and the ultimate destiny of the body. And this answers the great riddle of creation. If you Google search, other day, and people get so impressed, you know. I was, somebody sends a link, so you just, most of the time I see for one minute and then, so there's two great people were discussing the hard problem of consciousness. Now, you know what is the hard problem? Hard problem is why there is something instead of nothing. What is the ultimate reality? Is consciousness a phenomena of matter or matter is a epiphenomena of consciousness? When I was listening, I thought we are still 50 years behind. So Vedantic solution is consciousness, is the fundamental reality. Now this is not a problem at all. This is not the problem. Because it's true, Vedantic seers found that there is Brahman. To me the problem is, how that has become this? This is the problem. That there is a greater reality which is the real reality and out of which this material body and everything has come out, is much more logical, even if you don't take up any text or scriptures, though this is not the time to discuss that. That is much more logical, that consciousness is primary and matter and creation is secondary. It is understandable. Logically, we can arrive at that point without reading a single philosophy. But the problem is, how that became this, that perfect consciousness, all consciousness... Has become this limited consciousness. This is a problem nobody has ever taken us up. And Shobindu takes it up. And therefore, he can, of course, he speaks of involution and evolution, not getting into that. But that is why he could give the answer to a problem which mankind had not even raised. Google search, you will see hard problem. Hard problem is only this. What is the ultimate reality? So when I was reading, I said, these thousands of years old people have solved this. It may be a problem for modern scientists because scientists have not cast their thought deep inside. But Indian mystics knew this. There is no problem about that. Problem is how that became this and what is the destiny of this. This is the problem. And that's where Sri comes and gives us the ultimate answer. Because you can't just say that this has no relevance at all. So, because some strict they say, why Shurabindo is dealing with the physical body? Isn't it illusion? So, this is a wrong question. <laughs> this is a wrong question. It is not about Shurabindo. It's a valid question in the sense that why it has become this? And then wh- what is to be happened to this? If ultimately we have to return back through moksha, then what is the point about this whole journey through all this travail and suffering and pain? At the end, become that because thou art that, O Svet Ketu. Well, it's understandable. Actually, this is something which you don't need to read a scripture. If there is source, one source, out of which creation has emerged, and obviously there cannot be multiple sources, that source is in all of us. So when it is said you are that, it is the most logical thing to say. Isn't it? Because it, actually not only you are that, everything is that, in a sense. And if you touch that, realize that, you definitely will say I am that. That is not the problem. The problem is what is this and how the two can be bridged. That is the yoga of transformation. Namaste.